My name is Matt Groshong. I'm a Chief Technology Officer, and I want Peak 40 Health. Welcome to Peak 40, the podcast that brings you the tips, tactics, and stories for living your best life in midlife. If you're in your mid-30s to 50s, Peak 40 is the place to get actionable advice on the nuances of nutrition, training, recovery, and mindset in midlife. For the full experience and other valuable resources, register for the Peak 40 weekly newsletter at drbubs.com forward slash peak 40 to enhance your lifestyle and start making midlife your best life. I am so tired. I'm exhausted. Man, do I need more sleep. Stop me if you've heard yourself or someone close to you using those phrases. Welcome back, folks. Glad you're here. My name is Dr. Mark Bubbs. I'm your host here of the Peak 40 Podcast. And today we're talking about the number one recovery tool, which is sleep. And of course, I'm sure you're very familiar with how important sleep is, as the science of sleep has really boomed over the last decade and a half. The challenge is, and this is definitely a challenge in midlife when the typical person only gets six and a half hours of sleep per night, where 30% of the population get less than six hours of sleep per night, which both of those totals don't achieve the target by the National Sleep Foundation, which is that seven to nine hours nightly, this is a problem. This is where we are at in the busyness, the hecticness of midlife with busy jobs, kids at home, waking up through the night. That creates a huge challenge. So today you're going to hear from multiple sleep experts, The first of which is Dr. Sherry Ma, whose original work was pioneering work done at Stanford University in athletes. And whilst they were originally conducting research in the cognitive benefits of extending sleep, aka getting more sleep, they actually found all of these performance benefits, not just physical performance benefits, but mental performance benefits as well. So the first clip you're going to hear is from Dr. Sherry Ma. She's going to describe what happens when we are lacking sleep, and then give you a little bit of sleep physiology so you can understand the sleep cycles. Quickly here, before we get started, a big shout out to everyone. It's been one week since the release of my new book, Peak 40, and the feedback's been tremendous. We've got number one new release in multiple categories, so massive thank you to everyone for all the support. And if you're enjoying the book, please do leave us a review on Amazon. It is a big help to help spread the word. We'll also be having a free talk on Friday, June 4th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 8.30 a.m. Pacific, all about movement and nutrition and how you can start to incorporate some of these simple strategies to feel better, move better, and achieve those goals in in your 30s, 40s, and beyond. If you sign up for the Mobility 5-Day Challenge or the Peak 40 Weekly, you'll get all the information on that free webinar next week. All right, I'll circle back with you on the other side of this clip. This is a fascinating process that clearly I've been intrigued with for a number of years. But it's this process that, you know, has really been ingrained in our DNA for eons, right? Indicating that we know that this is an absolutely necessary process for our health and wellness. But I also find it so fascinating that nowadays we like intentionally cut this process short, right? And we like rob ourselves of this recovery process and try to find all these ways to hack this like fundamental need. Um, But to get to your question, 
how is this affecting us? You know, sleep really has multifaceted effects. We know it affects cognitive performance. So particularly for athletes, I think about how does it impair reaction time or attention? We know it can impact decision making and like sound judgment. Or from a physiology standpoint, we know that it can impair metabolism, slow that down. It has effects on hormonal regulation. So for athletes are thinking about appetite uh, regulation, it can then have an effect on testosterone. Um, when we think about immune function, we're more susceptible with inadequate sleep to infection, even as much as like the common cold. And then when you think about physical performance, depending on the studies and the different types of outcomes, um, there have been studies to suggest that there are physical decrements that can occur with inadequate sleep. We go through different sleep stages during the nighttime. And we, you know, it's termed N1, N2, which is more the lighter sleep. And then you have N3, which is more deep sleep. Then you go into what's called rapid eye movement sleep. And that's about 25% of the night. And that's when dreaming occurs the most. This whole cycle happens usually... 90 to 120 minutes, but it can vary during the nighttime. And the thing is that the, the, the percentages of each of these stages of sleep can change. So for example, you actually get more of that deep sleep earlier in the night, and that's actually the most restorative. That's when you have muscle repair and growth hormones are released. And then towards the earlier morning hours, you have more percentage of that cycle in rapid eye movement sleep, and that's when dreaming happens, and that's been implicated to be critical for learning and memory consolidation. So that's what's happening as you go through each stage during the nighttime. And depending on how long you're allowing yourself to sleep or wake up, you'll get through a number of these different cycles. Low mood, low libido, low testosterone, lack of muscle mass, inability to lose weight. You know, these are all common complaints from clients in midlife. And when we start to listen to the effects of lack of sleep, it's having a powerful adverse effect on all of these on all these concerns. And so we need to start with sleep. And just as Dr. Sherry Ma mentioned there, earlier in the evening is when we get into that deep sleep, recovery sleep. And so if we're pushing our bedtime too late, that's a major hurdle to reducing the aches, pains, discomfort, etc. On the flip side, if we're having to get up earlier or we're getting woken up through the night, which obviously isn't always controllable, but it's nice to know you're not imagining things. This idea of learning, memory, cognition, that's happening during that REM phase of sleep, all that consolidation. And so if we're being interrupted there, then that's also going to be a hurdle as well for our mental performance. And so in this next clip, you're going to hear from Dr. Nora Simpson from Stanford Medical School, reinforcing this idea of, again, lack of sleep and the impact on our cognitive function. Because again, mindset is such a key part of this whole story around feeling our best and performing our best in midlife. And if, we, if we're lacking sleep, that's gonna be a big hurdle to how well we can think and the attitude and the effort and the thoughts that we bring to the table every day. Here's Dr. Nora Simpson. I'll catch you on the other side of this clip. But the idea of performance impairments are found after 17 to 19 hours of wakefulness and that equivalent of the blood alcohol content of 0.05%, which I think in some states or provinces would be legally intoxicated. And of course, 28 hours of wakefulness equivalent to 0.1%, basically legally drunk. Um, I have three small kids at home, so this 
for me helps to explain a lot, but uh, could you talk about the effects of sleep loss on neurocognitive performance, so specifically areas around attention, uh, executive function, and learning? Sure. Well, that is a really diverse and and broad area that you're talking about, Um, and there's a lot of research in that area, but very broadly, we do see that all of those domains of neurocognitive performance um, are negatively impacted by insufficient sleep. Um, so, attention—you know—really important for athletes who need to be focused during games or during a performance, um, and um, the executive or higher-level functioning, making decisions you know, applying strategies, flexibly thinking. Um, these are all things that even a night or two of sleep deprivation or this idea of sleep restriction, not getting enough sleep, you know, multiple days on end can really add up and have a negative impact in these domains. And I think a lot of athletes and definitely a lot of my clients, and I think everyone's guilty of this, this idea of catching up on sleep, you know, don't worry, I'm going to get some more on the weekend, I'll throw some more naps in, um, you know, can an athlete catch up on sleep after running low, say from maybe a training camp or travel or whatever it might be? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some, some nuance here, certainly, if there's a kind of one off short term period where you're not getting enough sleep. You know, you certainly can um, either catch up or at least kind of regain normal day-to-day functioning with several nights of sufficient sleep. Um, I think the real danger is kind of this idea of running on not getting enough sleep during the week and then trying to catch up on the weekends as kind of a standard operating system. Um, There's really new research coming out in this domain, and I've had the opportunity to be a part of some of it, um, that shows that you can't really catch up to the extent that we would like or hope um, with longer sleep on the weekends when you're restricting sleep during the week. Um, We recently published a paper looking at kind of impairments in pain modulation, showing that you will still have kind of changes in the underlying pain regulation physiology um, after two nights, for example, weekend nights of catch-up sleep after um, restricting sleep during the week when you measure that kind of a couple of weeks in a row on an ongoing basis. So that really, in my perspective, is where the danger lies. You really want to be working towards protecting enough time for sleep on a night-to-night basis that you can have the occasional variability and navigate that without too much trouble rather than trying to run on a really lean system where you're barely getting enough sleep on the week and trying to or thinking that you're catching up on the weekend and not really getting there because we know that there are so many negative effects of not getting enough sleep, athletic performance, health, and overall well-being. And in terms of illness susceptibility, um, there have been some really interesting experimental studies where they actually have had healthy adults track their sleep um, and then come into a lab where they are inoculated with an active dose of cold virus. Um, these are very willing volunteers. I'm I was going to sure say, it must be that's definitely taking it for science. So that's great. I know. Um, 
you know, we, we fully kind of support those individuals, even if we may not choose to join them. Um, but the study found that individuals sleeping less than seven hours a night before the inoculation of this cold virus were three times more likely to develop a cold um, after this direct application of the cold virus than those sleeping eight hours or more. And we also see um, parallel findings when we look at actual vaccines vaccine responses. So if you are not getting a ton of sleep before you get a vaccination, you actually can have a um, blunted immune response to the vaccine. You know, sleep is one of the, you know, really few things you can do outside of, you know, good hand hygiene and getting vaccinated that you can concretely do that's really going to potentially have a significant impact on helping you stay healthy when, you know, your coworkers or your teammates are sneezing and coughing around you. Um, what we see from kind of a perspective of nighttime sleep versus naps is that if you need to catch up on sleep with a nap, in many cases, that's fine if you're able to sleep well at night. But taking a longer nap during the day tends to be associated with something called sleep inertia um, upon awakening, which is a period that can last for half an hour or even longer where you may feel physically uncomfortable. Sometimes people talk about feeling somewhat hungover, they feel like they're sluggish, they're groggy, sometimes they have nausea or a headache, um, and that their cognitive performance is actually sluggish. And that's a measurable change. There's a period of time where you have negative performance after a long nap where you have this sleep inertia, it does wear off. Um, but you have to think about the costs of that when you think about building up a lot of sleep during daytime naps. Short daytime naps tend to be great in terms of being refreshing and restorative, and they don't come with that sleep inertia cost upon awakening. So with that in mind, um, I think if you can build in more sleep time at night, that tends to be um, the safest approach. You keep your circadian rhythm, your body clock in line, you have a consistent sleep pattern at night. However, you know, I'm a pragmatist and I know that for some people that's just not feasible. And in those cases, you really want to look at a balance of adding in naps during the day and potentially sleeping later or going to bed earlier on weekend nights when you can. All right, let's unpack some of Nora's insights there. I think the first thing that jumps out for me, which I'm sure perhaps a lot of listeners out there as well, is this idea that if we're not getting enough sleep, it's as if we're intoxicated, you know, as if we're operating at a blood alcohol level of, of 0.05. And so that idea that we can try to catch up on weekends is not a good strategy, despite the fact that it's, it's you know, most of the time the normal operating procedure when you are busy and hectic and, and the demands are high. And in the clip, we talk about athletes there. And of course, with athletes, training load is the major stressor, but also, and I wrote about this in my first book, Peak, performance staffs are looking at mental, emotional stress on how that impacts training load. And so what does that mean for you in midlife? Well, it means that mental, emotional stress is a huge component of this overall stress load. And so, you know, the insights that Nora's giving there, especially around things like immunity and pain, you know, if we're looking to start to reduce 
discomfort and pain and you're only sleeping five and a half hours a night, that in and of itself is a huge roadblock to, to getting back to pain-free living. And Nora wraps up that clip talking about the importance of prioritizing your nightly sleep. So again, ensuring at least seven hours if you can, but then the benefits of these smaller naps in the day. And naps can be very short, right? 20 minutes, just closing your eyes. You don't have to fall into a deeper sleep because as you learned there, that idea of sleep inertia, if you take that longer nap, you wake up, you don't know what day it is or where you are, right? That's when you've gone a little bit too long. But those shorter naps are actually quite restorative, especially for mental and cognitive function. And so finding ways of, of incorporating some of those into your day can really yield some big dividends. Now, we're going to wrap things up here by going back to Dr. Sherry Ma, who's going to give us some suggestions around how we can think about the different buckets, the different areas of sleep that we can start to, to think about and nudge in the direction, nudge in the right direction so we can start to improve the quality of our sleep. Because if we do want better energy, if we do want better health, hitting our performance goals, improving body composition, it all starts with sleep. And so we've got to find ways to, you know, push that, nudge ourselves in that right direction. So check out this clip from Dr. Sherry Ma. And again, we'll circle back to wrap up the episode. Um, so what are some of the big rocks, these sort of fundamentals that you'd like to see um, or that you advise your athletes in terms of helping to promote, you know, better sleep duration or sleep quality? I think I look at this as three different buckets, each of them important. I think sometimes we stress sleep duration the most, which, yes, is a fundamental necessity to have um, a, a baseline of, of adequate sleep every night, that it would be bucket one. Um, but I think we also need to emphasize that it's also about bucket two of sleep quality and bucket three of the timing of our sleep. So to kind of touch on each of those with the first one with sleep duration, we already talked about minimally needing those seven hours, eight to 10 for lead athletes. We discussed a little bit about that gradual increase. If you're someone who's falling short of that, um, I found that that advancing the bedtime is usually the easiest, especially if your morning trainings are set, as we mentioned, with that goal of being nocturnal sleep and not really utilizing naps as much to reach that. Um, but I think that has to be obviously the fundamental bucket of adequate duration on a day-to-day -day basis. In terms of sleep quality, I think one of the, the big rocks here is having an approach and a routine to prepare to sleep. And I know it sounds like a really small mindset um, to change, but usually sleep for many individuals is just this afterthought, right? That they jump into bed whenever it happens. Um, but when athletes actually have a dedicated wind down routine and, and you take your pick, whether you like stretching or reading or prayer, uh, whatever you choose to help prioritize sleep, I feel like that really has a big impact on the quality of a rest and it helps athletes really connect the dots of what's happening to optimize their sleep at nighttime and then ultimately what happens and subsequently during the daytime. Um, another couple of other big rocks in the quality bucket, I would say, is powering down technology is a sure. big one because we're plugged into all of our phones and computers. Absolutely. Uh, and smart tablets. <laughs> yeah. And that can affect the quality. Your sleep environment is a key um, key area to look at to make sure that it's a cave. It's really dark. It's quiet. It's cool. It's comfortable. Many of us are not always uh, as cognizant about our caffeine and alcohol take and how that's going to affect our sleep. 
And then physical activity is another area that I think is a big key aspect of the quality of rest you're going to get. And then lastly, that timing bucket of sleep too is going to be important. We are all probably guilty of going to bed at different times during the week um, and then shifting that wake up time or say we keep a good routine and schedule during the weekdays, but then we shift it much later on the weekends and then we end up with social jet lag. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Those are, yeah, some of my big rocks and trying to emphasize these different areas and what you can do within each of them. Because ultimately, you should be trying to address at least something in each of these buckets simultaneously. All right, let's recap Sherry's recommendations here around sleep. We want to be thinking about three buckets when it comes to sleep. The first is sleep duration, aiming for that minimum of seven hours of sleep nightly. And when you're trying to extend sleep, experts like Dr. Sherry Ma and others would suggest increasing by half an hour per week if you're trying to bump yourself up to that minimum or towards seven and a half or eight hours. Next is that sleep quality bucket, which is so key for supporting deep sleep. And as she mentioned there around this notion of a sleep routine, which more people know about now, but the problem again is application. It's applying that knowledge and not just knowing about it. And so really circling back, taking the time to decide you're cutting off the phone at 8 p.m., you're going to do some reading or some light stretching, you're in bed by a certain time, and that doesn't need to be seven days out of seven. Even if you're doing that five days out of the week, you can still live a little on the weekends, and that'll set you up for success in the long run. That last sleep bucket is timing. So again, trying to really anchor the wake time is the first suggestion is fundamental to really being able to support your circadian rhythms and deeper sleep and getting into a nice pattern with being able to fall asleep well and of course wake up with energy as well fantastic well listen if you have any questions around sleep i would love to hear from you reach out on facebook twitter or instagram at dr bubs use the hashtag peak 40 so we can find those questions easily and use them on a future episode don't forget our free five-day mobility challenge is off and running You can join in, start to reduce those aches, pains, injuries, and niggles that crop up over the years. Great way to develop your own little movement routine to start to move better and feel better. You can sign up and register at drbubs.com. And of course, we've got a free nutrition and movement webinar happening on June 4th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So if you'd like to join in for that, again, sign up to the Peak 40 weekly newsletter and you'll get all the information there. Again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be coming at you every week now, every Thursday. So stay tuned for the next episode. And if you found this useful, please share with friends, colleagues, or anyone looking for Peak 40 Health and Performance.